Good morning, Mount Helena. Oh, that was nice. What a beautiful day, right? It's like second spring is here, huh? The mic is working. They didn't mess up my hair like they did Anita's last week, so that was a good thing. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bob Wamsley. I serve on the men's ministry here at Mount Helena and anywhere else I guess I'm asked to. And I want to introduce today's message with a question. And that question is, if you could choose a one-word goal to achieve in life, maybe one word that defines your character or a word that defines um, your walk with God, what one word would you choose? When polled, people came up with answers like successful, influential, happy, blessed. There's a lot of successful people in this room today, and that's a good thing. And influential is good, right? I mean, we're called as men and women of God to, to be ambassadors of Christ, to go ye therefore to all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? Influential is necessary. Some people said, I, I wouldn't want to be successful or influential unless I was happy or, or blessed, lived a fulfilling life. Those are good things too. And I imagine if we pulled the room... We would have beautiful responses. I'm sure we'd, it'd be amazing. But, but there's one word in God's eyes that should stand above the rest. When we get to heaven, we're not going to hear God say, well done, my good and influential servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my happy servant, my good and motherly, my good and fatherly. What Jesus will say to us is, well done, my good and faithful servant. I hope by the end of this message, we'll pre-decide that ourselves to be faithful. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, praise and glory to you. Father God, I just thank you for this day and your, your amazing blessings in our life and all the people here, Lord, the family, your family, Lord God, here today. And I pray that hearts would be open and only your word would come forth, Lord. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen. For the past several weeks, as JR said, we've been in the pre-decide series We know that the quality of our decisions determines the quality of our our life as men and women of God. Throughout our lives, everyone has struggled with, with decisions, some of our decisions. I know I have. I've fallen flat on my face many times. So we want to pre decide right now how we're going to respond in certain situations before they happen instead of waiting until they happen. Predeciding when faced with blank, anything that happens in the world, we're going to predecide that favorably that I'm going to be faithful. I am faithful. We've also learned about the six specific areas. I'm, I'm not going to make you all say them with me. We've been saying them now for a while, but um, we know what they are. But today we're going to we're going to talk about I am faithful because we all want to be faithful to God, right? And we all want to hear Him say. When we get to heaven and we've lived a life pleasing to God, we want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? I want to share why I believe that I'm here today. When I, um, several years ago, a lot of years ago, it was prophesied over me that God was going to heal me of a, a debilitating and curable disease. And it wasn't for seven years until he did that. And he healed me of that disease, and I said, why, God? I'm a sinner. 
I'm a, I'm a heathen at times. There's so many more people that need this healing. There's so many more men of God and women of God that need this healing. And the Lord answered me and said that the faith and the faithfulness in this country, that shouldn't be upside down. <laughs> the faith in this country, you can build all the churches you want, but faith is waning. Faith is getting weaker and weaker. And he said, you will have a message of faith. Shortly after moving here, I, I shared with my wife, I'm trying to hurry, I got three hours of material to put into two hours, but don't leave because there'll be a lunch break, okay? But anyways, I shared with my wife, I was sitting right here where the Shirleys were, and I listened to a message by J.R., and, and I shared with her on the way home, God had really begun to prompt me, and I really began to start learning how to respond to that, and, and he had shared with me, I told her, this is going to be weird, honey, but... But God has told me I'm going to stand on this stage one day and I'm going to talk about faith. A few weeks ago, I was flying with, with J.R., some of the leaders of the church to Texas, and, and he leans over and he says, hey, I was going to ask you if you wanted to take part in the Pre-Decide series and, and share one of these. And, and I love to serve God. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, these are the three that are left. Take a look at them and tell me what you want to what you want to share on. And there it was when I looked on there, faithfulness. And I said, God, you are faithful, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to respond to your prompting. That's why I believe I'm here today. Why do we need to pre-decide to be faithful? We're humans. See, now I have tears in my eyes. I can't read. Inherently unable. We're inherently unable to be consistently faithful. There's no way that every moment of every day, all your life, you're going to be completely faithful to God. Not without his Holy Spirit and intentional application. Intentional application. Having faith can be difficult. Having, being faithful can be difficult. That's why the Word of God tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's a process in our growth as Christians. To define it, being faithful is a steady allegiance, obedience, and love of God. It sometimes comes with a cost. You may lose family and friends. I won't just, there's, there's a million costs that we might feel. That, and you may lose family and friends because of how they act if they're not saved, because of how you act. They don't want to hear the word. They don't want to be around you. You're going to lose some time. You may lose some idols in your life that you were very fond of. Social media, because God's calling you to set a 17 hours a week, like J.R. said. He's saying, man, you can have seven hours for your social media. In that 10 hours, I want you in a small group. I want you teaching a small group. I want you in the Word. I want you praying. I want you worshiping. But it's always worth it. Those costs are always worth it. It's through faith, a gift from God, that we're saved by grace, right? Because God is faithful, but it doesn't end there. James 2.26 tells us that faith without deeds is dead. That is where faithfulness begins. In Habakkuk 2.4, the prophet said, look at the proud. What do they do? They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. Look at the proud today. Is it any different? They trust in their own wisdom, their own righteousness, their own finances and abilities. They trust in their peers they trust in their politicians. They trust in the media. But their trust in God is weak. However, according to that same verse in Habakkuk, 
the righteous will live by their faith to God. And Paul even repeats that in the New Testament. The word faith in that verse comes from the Hebrew word imunah, meaning faithfully, faithfulness, firmness, and steadiness. So looking closer, the righteous will live by their firmness and their steadiness and their faithfulness to God. Amen? In Habakkuk, it says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. So I had to go further. I'm weird like that when I study the Bible. I, I bounce all over the place. And I had to look it up in the Hebrew dictionary. And crooked is pathol, because I thought it just meant evil. But it's anybody who's not righteous. They're, it's a struggle. They struggle. They're, it's morally torturous. They act out. They're not righteous. But what does it mean to be faithful? How do we apply that? I want to tell you just a really quick story. And I got to talk fast because I want to beat the lunch break. But that's a joke. Come on. I want to tell you a really quick story. When I was young, I was a detective on the police department. And I was a single dad. And my daughter, Maddie, she's right here this morning, cheering her dad on. <laughs> I was a single dad, and SafeKey had this, or school had this program called SafeKey, where if you couldn't pick your child up when they got out of school, or they weren't getting on a bus, they would be escorted to the gym, and then teachers would oversee them. And I kid you not, this is a true story. I never beat another parent there. My dad, I was a busy detective working child abuse in the city. And I was the last parent there every day. And when I would arrive, you know how the gym doors, they make that loud noise and there's glass, the little windows in them. And when I would arrive, I would hit that door and I could look into the glass, through the glass on the bleachers. And there she was sitting there with her legs swinging and waiting on me. But when I'd hit that door, I'd see her beam. I see her just smile. She knew her father was coming. And then I would walk in the door, and I would be in the gym, and she could see me. And as I walked towards her, she would raise her hands, Papa, Papa, Papa. And she would run at me, just excited to see me. And she would, she would get in the car, and we would go to the store. We'd go home and make dinner together. We would uh, watch a movie, play a game, brush our teeth, get ready for bed. It was the same thing every day, every single day. She loved me unconditionally, and she was faithful to me. But she loved me unconditionally because she learned that from me. She was reciprocating her father's unconditional love. She was reciprocating his faithfulness. Faithfulness is not a title. It's an action word. It's a way of life for all of us. Let's look at the Bible and what Jesus demonstrated about faithfulness. There was never anyone more faithful than Jesus Christ. Faithful to God the Father, though God in the flesh. Faithful to the Holy Spirit in his comforting introduction. And faithful to each one of us on his journey to the cross and beyond his resurrection. That faithfulness on his journey to the cross was filled with acts of true love and grace and mercy. Forgiveness and humility and healing and parables of righteousness and faithfulness. When looking at biblical examples of faithfulness, we see that we need to be faithful in how we treat each other. We all have that ability. Faithfulness is a fruit. Faithfulness in how we steward God's message and faithfulness in how we respond to God. 
hearing that, shouldn't our response in those examples always be one? Every interaction is an opportunity to add value to someone else. Two, every blessing is an opportunity to be a steward and glorify God. And three, every prompting from God is an opportunity to respond with faithfulness. If we're going to be faithful to God, we're going to pre-decide. Every interaction with others is an opportunity to bless. It's an opportunity to lean in with love. It's an opportunity to give and to share, to encourage and inspire, share the fruits, and most importantly, share what we have, the gospel. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's that word faithfulness. I love the term fruits, though, in that verse. I love all those fruits. But I love the term fruits used here because fruit when fresh is, is wholesome and fulfilling, right? And, and we can spread that fruit by sharing it or by growing more or by planting seeds. But when you have an abundance of fruit and you don't share it, it rots. Fruit is meant to share. We sometimes stifle that fruit, maybe due to our own ego, could be due to self-preservation for maybe we're introverted. It could be due to where we're at in our walk that day with God. But for example, we're selfish at times, right? When you're in your car and you're driving around, you're always the best driver in the world, right? Everyone else is out to get you. They're cutting you off. They're slowing you down. And see, I pre-decided on that because sometimes I overreact and it comes out of me. And, and, and I want to just like, oh, he just waved at me with one finger. I'm going to chase him down. But I pre-decided no. And I go, God, forgive me for even starting to think that. I don't know what they're going through, but bless them, Lord. Bless them. They might be in a hurry to get somewhere, and I was in their way, right? Here's another good example that was shared with me. Think about a photograph. If you're in a photo of several people, what's the first thing you look at? You, right? I do it. I'm going to confess that I do it. I look at it. My eyes are always closed. I'm chewing food. My posture looks like Shrek. And... <laughs> And I look at my wife and I say, baby, don't you share that picture. And that's every time. It's like there's a conspiracy. They, they, they lurk at parties and family gatherings. Oh, look, he's chewing now. <laughs> oh, look at his gut hanging out. <laughs> and they take those pictures and they never turn out. And I'm like, don't share that, honey. The same happens in our interactions with others. We're so caught up in do they like me? Did I overshare? I bet they're talking about me right now. Like it or not, we judge others in our self-preservation. And we have all had comments that we wish we could take back. In Ephesians 4.29, the Apostle Paul says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, for adding value according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Remember the woman accused of adultery? And they were going to stone her to death. And, and Jesus comes along and kneels beside her and he writes in the sand. In the sand and, and he tells the self-righteous around her, let ye who hasn't sinned cast the first stone. And after pondering a minute, the self-righteous wander off. And, and Jesus says, woman, where is your accuser? And she looks around. She says, I, I have none. And Jesus said, 
He adds value to her, right? He builds her up. He says, then neither do I accuse you or condemn you. Go and sin no more. And you know, some translations say, go and sin no more and be righteous. And there's, there is a difference, right? Being righteous is powerful. See, we go and sin no more, and that's good. That's pleasing to God. But it doesn't end there. See, righteousness, righteousness is sinning no more but serving God. Seeking God with a fervor, giving and sharing, loving, discipling. We can't be selfish and just go, I'm not going to sin no more. They have sin, and I'm just going to be in my world right here. We have to be righteous. We have to be faithful. The righteous will live by their faith in God. Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. We are the tree of life, folks, the people around us. We can't just sit there and, and have a, a personal relationship with God and nobody else. We have to share. A single word of encouragement could change someone's life forever. The second way we're, that we're going to be faithful to God is we're predeciding that every blessing from God is an opportunity to glorify Him. We remember the parable of the ten talents, and when the master was going to go on the long journey... And he brings the servants in, and, and maybe you've heard this. If you haven't, it's okay. I'll, I'll share it with you. But they, he brings the servants in, and to one he gives five talents. And to the next he gives two talents, and to the last one he gives one talent. And when he returns from his long journey, he brings them all back in together to settle up. And to the one with five, he said, so what did you do with the talents of money I shared with you? And he says, Master, I put it to work, and now I have ten. I doubled it. To the guy with two, what did you do? I did the same thing, Master. I now have four. And to the guy with one, how did you handle this? And the guy with one says, I was afraid. I know you're a hard man, and I buried it. I didn't want to lose it. To the first two, with the five and the two, he looked at him, and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. But to that last one, something I don't ever want to hear, he said, you wicked, lazy servant. This parable isn't really about the talents of money. It's about what God has given us and whether or not we use it in ways that glorify him, ways that further his kingdom. Through using it to glorify God, someday we're all going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. When we, when we receive those blessings, are we faithful with those? Do we tithe and gift when blessed financially? Do we take our health seriously? Do we pray for a job, and then when God comes through and blesses us, we hide our lamp in a drawer. We don't want to offend anybody. Do people walk in your front door and look at your home, the home that God has blessed you with, and say, wow, a man and woman of God live in this house? How about your missions? Do you go on a mission because it's fun and you're traveling with your church and your friends and it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be neat? Or do you look forward to arriving and making disciples of other people? Or do you share the fruits or hoard them? 1 Peter 4.10 tells us each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When we share fruits, folks, it's It's contagious. Call it talents, call it money, call it blessings, but they're given by God to glorify God. 
When God provides us with blessings, we should enjoy them, but faithfully share and glorify him. The third way that we're faithful to God is when he prompts us. Paul claimed in Acts 20, he complained that he was to leave. He didn't complain that he was leaving Ephesus. He said he's going to leave Ephesus for Jerusalem. The Spirit was prompting him that way. But he said, I, I don't know what will happen to me when I get there. I do know that the Spirit tells me wherever I go, I will face prison and hardship. Hardship. But Paul, just like many characters in the Word, just like many people in this room, Paul went anyways. When prompted, Paul goes. He was obedient to God and obedient in his faithfulness. I love this quote by Craig Groeschel. Obedience to God is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. And maybe you'll never see the outcome, but God will see that you were obedient. God will see that you were faithful. Uh, someday God will put a, a person in your path and he'll prompt you to share with them. He'll prompt you to, to disciple them. Or maybe he'll put them on your heart in the mornings while you're praying and, and, and have you pray for them. Or put them on your heart to call that person. And you've all heard the stories about the telephone call that comes at the right time. That's God. Please don't ignore that. Be faithful and obedient. I want to share a testimony with you, and I certainly don't share this to pat myself on the back. I, I honestly don't. Your testimony is your testimony. Your promptings from God is your promptings from God. I want to share one that happened to me. When we first moved here five years ago, and I'll try to make it quick, when we first moved here five years ago, I had this dream, and on Mount Helena, up high above the city, there was a mine. There's not really a mine there. It's a dream. There was a mine, and, and you looked up there, and it was just beautiful, and, and I just wanted to go up there so bad, and, and the shaft went into the mountain, and over the shaft was the weathered wood structure that you see in the old mines, and, and it was a really vivid dream, and in my dream, my wife says, let's hike up to that mine today, and I was so excited, and we hiked up there, and when we got there, this was crazy. When we got to the mine, the sun was coming through the weathered wood, but the mine was flooded all the way back. It had flooded by some creek high in the mountains. And I looked at the water, and the water was crystal clear. It, it was so beautiful. It was crystal clear. And the sun in there, and you could see the little plants in every color of every rock. And then all of a sudden, there was motion, and I looked. And there, excuse me, there were these big trout, vibrant. Jay's looking at me like it's got to be a trout, right, or an elk. But that's the dream. And they were vibrant with a big red stripe on the side, a big rainbow. And I thought, man, those are beautiful. And I looked down, and there was another group of trout swimming around in there with this greenish, translucent, bubbly growth on their sides like a cancer. And I went, wow, those poor fish, and the dream ended. And every time I turned that night... I thought of that dream, and when I woke up, I couldn't shake it. It was powerful, and I began to pray, God, I know you're speaking to me. I know you're speaking to me, Lord. Tell me what that dream meant, and I began to narrate my dream myself as God revealed it to him, and he told me, he says, that water, 
that water is living water. That water is righteousness. That water is the body of Christ. I'm probably going to fall off of there, huh? That water is the body of Christ and all that we represent and what God wants us to represent. And as I looked at that, I was like, man, that's beautiful. And, and those big fish, those vibrant, colorful fish were men of God in the church. That 7% that are, according to statistics, excuse me, statistics that is, that are Bible-reading, God-fearing, teaching, discipling, praying, worshiping men. And then the other fish, the sick fish, were men in the church that haven't quite built that relationship with Jesus Christ. And that goes for women as well. And I thought, wow, that is so crazy. And, and shortly after that, I, I was asked by the Shirleys if I would, if I would like to to be an influencer at the men's life house. And I said, well, let me think about it. I'll pray about it. When I went home, the Holy Spirit hit me. And God said to me, put up or shut up. He didn't really say that, but that's the way I put it. <laughs> My God wouldn't say that. Put up or shut up, Bob Wamsley. And I called Anita back, and I said, I'll do it. And I'm still doing it. And then shortly after that, while I was attending the men's prayer breakfast that used to be at Perkins. It's every Tuesday at 7 at Shelley's now. And I met this wonderful man, Kim Melbourne. And every time I would speak there, whether he led the discussion or I led it, he would come up and he always shook your hand and touched you and he held on to it and he talked right in your face. And he said, you're an inspiration. I want you to keep coming and inspiring the men here in this group. And he introduced me to a he introduced me to a, an author named Patrick Morley, Man in the Mirror. And I began to read his books. And I read Man in the Mirror and then went on to Pastoring Man. And then I read No Man Left Behind. And when I read No Man Left Behind, the conviction really set in. And I said, ma'am, we're leaving people behind. We're inviting people to church and that's great. And they come from work, and we know they need the message, and we know they need a church, and we invite them into church. And then we're, we're glad you're here, man. I'll see you at work. And we're not taking them by the hand and saying, hey, where's the follow-up? We're not taking them by the hand and saying, hey, Wednesday, let's have lunch. And then on Wednesday, you're sitting down with them, and you're talking to them. And you're like, what would you think of JR's message? This is what it, what it spoke to me. Or... Where are you at with God right now? What's, where's your path with God? Let me tell you about mine. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. We seem to drop the ball at times, you know. And so I went and did a book study with a group of guys from different churches. And, man, we all loved it. And, and then I brought it here as a small group. Again, not a pat on my back. Now, trust me here. This is all God. Me being up here today is God. It's had nothing to do with me. We did a small group here, and we came to the conclusion that this, we have to continue having a men's ministry. We have to, we have to pull men in there. We can't be leaving men behind. And, and so having done that, I was like, okay, I got to go to the church, but who do I go to? I don't know anybody here. I don't know JR. I, I had spent a little time with Jason, and who do I talk to? And then God through Jeff Wald in my face. And that's how God works with me. If I'm praying about speakers at the rally, man, God will plant you right on my face. And I'm like, thanks, God. That was easy. And I went up to Jeff, and I said, Jeff, I 
I think, um, I think we should have lunch. So gracefully, he says, absolutely, let's do it. I think that'd be nice. Three days later, we're having lunch. I don't know if Jeff is in here. Oh, he's right there. Three days later, we're having lunch, and I said, I started to tell him about no man left behind, and Jeff goes, stop, just stop. Remember this? Just stop. And I was like, oh, shot down. I guess this wasn't of God. I'll tiptoe out of the restaurant. And Jeff said, whatever you're saying, the answer is yes, and the church will pay for it. Please continue. I'm not very good at it. That's not why I'm up here. I'm not touting our men's ministry. We're, I'm getting better. We're all getting better. It's going to be a banner year, I think. God is moving. But that's what God put in my life. And, and, and so we finally got it up and running. And, and that's what God does is he prompts us. And as he prompts us each step along the way, if you'll take that step, if, if God is speaking to you and you'll step here, he'll confirm it. And then you step here. And he confirms it. And then you step here, and he confirms it. And then you just, your faith is really growing. And you step here, and you're a warrior for God. And you're doing, you're, you're, you're telling God's message, or you're being obedient to God. So like I said, I don't tell you that story because I want to do one of these, because that's all of us. God is prompting all of us, all of us to be faithful. The good news is we're almost done. I want to recap. Every interaction is an opportunity to faithfully administer God's grace. Every blessing from God is an opportunity to be a steward of that blessing and glorify God with faithfulness. And every prompting from God is an opportunity to obey God and be faithful. Proverbs 3.3 says... Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So I hope God has spoke to your heart today. I hope you're willing to ask yourself, am I faithful? Better yet, I hope you're willing to say, God, am I faithful, God? God, where am I unfaithful? God, show me to be faithful. Show me how to be faithful. Help me be faithful, Lord, to really address that. And today, right here, let's pre-decide as men and women of God, as, as a church, as a family, let's pre-decide I am faithful. Would you stand, please? Pray with me, would you? Almighty God, we, we praise you, Lord God. We give you glory, Father. We just look to you for faithfulness, Lord. I want to say every day, I am faithful, Lord. I pray that as we leave here today, or maybe right here at this minute, people are addressing that in their heart with you, Lord, or maybe as they leave here, or maybe when they get home and their conversations with their family, I just pray that everybody would seek you and just ask you into their heart to examine them, Lord God. And just to hang that, to hang that faithfulness around their heart, that, that love and that faithfulness. I give you praise and glory, Lord. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your message. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand?